American Civil War, 1861 to question mark. <laughs> We're good. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. Right now, I have to start as I welcome you, or we welcome you, I should always say we. We, Chris and I, welcome you to this 512th episode of Unscripted. We are here. Hope all is well. Uh, again, depending on where you are, as we continue to go through this roller coaster of emotions in regard to obviously the coronavirus pandemic, still obviously front and center in our lives. But the thing that obviously has taken over not only the sports world, but has taken over the world in regard to discussion topics is what happened one week ago today in Minneapolis, Minnesota, in regard to the the death of George Floyd. And um, I've got to tell you, before I even get started, I am an American. I live in the great country of Canada, um, been here for 24 years, and I feel much and I feel very privileged to be here in Canada right now. I'm not enamored with the prime minister of this country, but he's doing a better job through the coronavirus than the sitting president of the United States. And I also believe that the lack of leadership right now in the United States is really, should be, and I think it is right now, is it going to get enough traction to do anything about it? I don't know. I can't believe how important and how big this upcoming election in November is going to be in the United States. Hopefully for some change, hopefully for some leadership, but ultimately, how would you like to be the person, him or her, I don't know, you know, is Joe Biden the answer? I don't know, but I wouldn't want to be George Washington following up after uh, the dismissal or the, uh, the win of a new president, the 46th president of the United States in November, because following up after this guy would be, you know, we thought it was going to be difficult to be the guy or girl to follow up George Bush too. My God, that's nothing compared to trying to follow up after the current president of the United States leaves office, hopefully, hopefully in July, uh, excuse me, in January of 2021. But we shall see. It's an unbelievable lack of leadership down there and always looking to blame somebody else and point fingers. And that is the worst form of leadership that you can see. And you wonder why that there are protests everywhere, all over the continental United States. And it's now even seeping into Canada as there was a, a protest yesterday, though it, though it came off peacefully, thankfully, in the city of Toronto in regard to this George Floyd situation in Minneapolis. And I think before I say hello and, and invite Chris to make comments on this, the one thing I will say about uh, uh, George Floyd and the Minneapolis, former Minneapolis uh, police department guy, a cop by the name of Derek Chauvin, who has been charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter charges, the third-degree murder charge comes with a maximum penalty of 25 years, and the manslaughter charges come out to a maximum penalty of 10 years. Is it good enough or not strong enough? Well, I'm telling you, folks, this guy, this cop, had his knee on Mr. Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes, to be exact, eight minutes and 46 seconds. Two minutes and 53 minutes of this time was when Floyd was out of consciousness. 
I don't think there should be a third degree, uh, a third degree murder charge on this. I should be, I believe in my heart of hearts, it should be first degree murder all day long for this. And I hope somebody sees in the attorney general's office of the state of Minnesota, I hope somebody sees the value in this because this guy, this cop, um, this doesn't really look good for the Minneapolis police department for sure, but it doesn't look good for cops anywhere. I was at a party on Saturday night with a cop from the Calgary Police Service, and he was ashamed of what he had seen, and rightfully so. Um, do you trust the police these days? But I don't think there should be anything less for Derek Michael Chauvin, anything less than a first-degree murder charge, as I bring in the boss, the executive producer of Unscripted, and I know I've set the table quite... Uh, <laughs> quite vociferously this morning, but this is unbelievable what happened to this young man. And, and here's the thing. Now, is George Floyd, you know, um, is he a choir boy? No. George Floyd was caught originally trying to use a counterfeit $20 bill to buy cigarettes at a convenience store in Minneapolis. And the convenience store owner uh, caught on to what he was trying to do, calls the cops, and then this happens. For a $20 bill, now it was it was funny money, it was monopoly money, It was it's against the law. <laughs> but a guy loses his life because he's trying to pass $20 worth of funny money, as I say hello to the executive producer of Unscripted, and much more sane and much more non-emotional about his comments, but I will say this before I hand the microphone over. I am not proud right now to be an American in this situation. Well, up in Canada, we just don't have those deep wounds and scars from the Civil War and slavery that are still raging today. I posted on Twitter the other day a tweet that said, American Civil War, 1861 to question mark. <laughs> We're good. And I mean, really, it's that, that's what the problem is here. We don't have that up here. We didn't have the Civil War, we didn't have slavery, we didn't have any of that in Canada. And so it's not something that we're still suffering from to this day. There's nothing for us to heal from. I don't like all the negativity on social media, certainly. I don't like all of the pretending that there's one side that's against racism and one side that's for racism. Like there's there's no, there's, you're, you're making up an imaginary enemy here. Everybody agrees that this was a horrible thing and we all want this asshole Derek Chauvin to get what he has coming to him and nobody more strongly than me. This is a great opportunity to say, Hey, I'm always out here saying death penalty. And maybe some people will finally start listening now because look, if you have the death penalty for things like this, then it's, I don't care what anyone says. I am so tired of hearing, Oh, the death penalty is not a deterrent. Yes, it is. And even if it's not, you're dead anyway, so I don't care. You either kill the bad guys or they don't do it in the first Atta place. Boy. Love it. Right? I mean, this is a perfect opportunity to have people maybe finally listen and stop overcompensating for whatever they're overcompensating for when they, oh, definitely is never okay. Really? A guy kills a million people? That that, that doesn't deserve that? Really? Are you sure? If, you do, if you're not for the death penalty in any situation, you just have a lack of imagination and you're pretty naive. And that's coming from a guy who can be pretty naive, I think, too. So... Anyway, but uh, no, I want that guy gone, and uh, there's no punishment that's too severe for that guy. But let's let's all work together. I think almost any any group of any size is on the same side on this. We all think this was horrible, and and let's not let's not make enemies when there are where there are none. Let's uh, let's just admit that everyone wants this to go away and uh, and and not happen again because it's it's counterproductive for everyone. 
what I will say, I'll say about your uh, political statement there is simply, this is just 2004 again, where the Democrats had a gimme. They had, they had a, they had a one inch putt and they missed it. Like in 2004, George Bush was so beatable and, <laughs> and they came up with John Kerry. Like yeah. you could have gone door to door in the U S and you would have it would have taken you a long time to find a worse candidate than, than John Kerry coming on there on Jay Leno like death wormed over on a motorcycle and a leather jacket. It was the Americans version of Stockwell Day showing up to, in a wetsuit to the press conference. It was exactly the same thing. Okay, we know you're not jet skiing. We know John Kerry's not riding a motorcycle. We know all this. And and people are smarter than that. And nominating Joe Biden is, if anything, even worse than John Kerry. Maybe Joe Biden would have been worse. Maybe not then, because he might not have had dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever he's suffering from right now. And I'm not trying to make light of that, but he clearly has some sort of cognitive issues. And this could not be a worse candidate. He's he's the absolute worst candidate out of all the candidates they had. He was probably dead last if you had to if you had to rank them all. And once again, they're just they're just dropping the ball. It, it's unbelievable that you could nominate that guy right now. I mean, what a what a catastrophic mistake again for that party. Terrible. The only saving grace may be the only saving grace for Joe Biden may be. And I don't disagree with the word that you're saying right now. Kerry's antics in 2004, though, were eerily similar to when Bill Clinton came on the Arsenio Hall show in 1992 and started playing the saxophone. That was a joke. It was, but at least Bill Clinton actually knows how to play the saxophone. He actually oh, yeah. he no actually question. knows that. And I think it's somewhat believable that Bill is kind of a guy that likes to have fun and party with the ladies and you know, he you know, I think Bill knows how to have a good time, especially in his heyday, and he clearly knows how to play the saxophone. That's just a skill he proved he has. Whereas He's got one. John mm. Kerry riding a motorcycle in a straight line in slow motion for <laughs> ten feet is not as much proof as Bill playing the saxophone. Stockwell Day, you know, cruising slow motion in a, on a jet ski for a bit in a wetsuit, and just like, oh, hey, guys, I didn't see you there. Like, no, it, like Bill, as, as silly as that was, these other ones topped that severely. I'm just afraid, to so be fake. honest with you, that we are heading for an Armageddon down in the States. Um, there is no trust. Um, there is no belief in the leadership system right now. And it is not only his handling of the coronavirus epidemic, or excuse me, pandemic, but obviously what we're going through here. And then that comment this weekend about uh, looting leads to shooting or something like that. I mean, that's that's a college kid who's had too much to drink on a Friday night. And he's, you know, it, it just was a ludicrous. And it was, it just, uh, it, I just thought that was just, you got to be kidding me. Looting becomes shooting. I mean, it's just like he's given people uh, a hunting license uh, for open, open, open season. And um, I, I just think the lack of leadership right now uh, is so, so vitally missing. And I agree with you. Joe Biden may not be the answer, but what may be the small sliver of hope is what I heard this weekend is that Michelle Obama, and for all of you that aren't Obama people, that's fine. But I'd sure take another Obama in there over what we've got at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue right now. But Joe Biden is working hard to have Michelle Obama be his running mate. That would bring some legitimacy to the Joe Biden 
candidacy for the 46th president of the United States. Um, I, I totally agree with you. The Democratic side is woefully weak, but my God, we cannot continue to have what's currently ongoing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue under the current administration because I don't know what's going to be left when it's done. I just think it's up for anarchy down there. I'm really, really scared. And as much as I need to get down there on a purely selfish level in regard to saying goodbye to my father, who was finally laid to rest on Thursday of this week in Las Vegas, thank God. But I don't know if I'm going to be able to get down there. And do I want to go down there right now? Um, so a lot of emotions running through my body right now. And uh, I need to start talking about some sports. But <laughs> right now, everything that we're talking about in regard to sports is athletes that are standing up, and rightfully so, standing up and wanting change and wanting something done about what's going on in the, in the landscape of, of the racism, the racial problem in the United States right now. But first and foremost, a lot of healing, in my opinion, would go if they upped the charges on this Derek Chauvin guy from third degree murder to first degree and put this guy away. I mean, put him in the ground. I, I, I don't think there's a better uh, representation right now of the death penalty to put this guy on the front of that poster and make this guy the poster child for the death penalty. This guy sitting on a guy's neck for almost nine minutes the last three that he was unconscious. He's pleading. And I'm, I can't imagine what the response would have been if this guy had committed a real crime. I mean, he committed a crime. He's, he's passing funny money. But you die for passing funny money? My God, that's just sad. Um, I don't know where to start, but I am going to start. Major League Baseball is almost in as much trouble as the political system in the United States right now. Major League Baseball comes off to me. You see the National Hockey League has approved a 24-team uh, playoff format, and we'll get to that either later in this episode or in one of our other episodes this week. They are moving forward. You've never heard about canceling the season. It has always been pushed forward. The NBA has a big, big vote coming up on Thursday with all 30 owners. They are talking about in the NBA, here we go, the NBA owners expected to approve Orlando as they restart to the season with 20 to 22 teams. They vote on this on Thursday. And Adam Silver has Chris Paul and the Players Association on board with their thinking. Uh, the National Football League, I think, will get started at the right time. It may be in front of empty houses, but Major League Baseball is screwed. If you're one of the eight remaining fans of baseball, and this is hard for me to say because up until what happened to the Montreal Expos in 1994, I was a baseball fan. I am still trying to be a baseball fan because after years of being crappy, the Milwaukee Brewers are actually pretty good. But are we going to get to see the Brewers in, in 20 and, uh, 2020? I don't think so. Are we going to get to see the Yankees and the Dodgers and all the other teams that aren't the Tampa Bay Rays or the Minnesota Twins? I don't think so. They had come up, the owners had approved a plan, and they shared it with the Players Association that they wanted a 50-50 split 
on all revenues on an 82-game schedule. And the players come off, led by idiots like Blake Snell and my favorite now favorite whipping boy from Las Vegas, Bryce Harper. They're coming off saying that we aren't going to play unless we get what our contract mandates we get to play. I don't care if we play 82 games. I don't care if we play 162 games. We're getting paid the full boat. And in this day and age, where there are 35 million people alone in the United States that are unemployed, and you've got pricks like these guys, and they were just had the balls to come out and say it. There's more rich, entitled pricks in Major League Baseball that are, say, are thinking the same thing and believing the same thing that's coming out of the mouths of Blake Smell, Snell, Smell sounds better to me, Blake Snell and Bryce Harper. So the Major League Baseball Association... Players Association, who, if you didn't know, is run by former Major League player, first baseman Tony Clark, probably most famous for his years with the Detroit Tigers. They came out with their counterproposal on Sunday night, and here it is. And I think I think if you're waiting for baseball to start, you should probably start watching the UFC or some something where people actually get something done. Major League Baseball, in my opinion, after this counterproposal, there isn't a snowball's chance in hell that Major League Baseball is going to start because some Major League Baseball owners, before this came out last night, some Major League owners are saying that they're willing to cancel the whole 2020 season. It will cost the owners and an average, and I need to make an adjustment here on something that I said last week. It will cost, I had said last week that it will cost the owners an average of $604,000 per game. Well, that number is actually $640,000 per game played without fans. The game is at stake for a lot longer than the 2020 season if they, the players and the owners, don't come to an understanding. Robbie Manfred versus Tony Clark right now looks like Ren and Stimpy to me. You pick which one is which. I don't give a damn. Major League Baseball players' counterproposal looks and sounds like this. A 114-game season that begins on June the 30th and ends on October 31st. The ability of any player to opt out of playing if they wish. Expanded playoffs in 20 and 2021. And $100 million in deferred salary payments in the event that the 2020 postseason is canceled. I know how you feel about baseball, and I'm getting to be right there with you, my friend. It's run by a moron, and they employ a bunch of... Oh, I don't know. Do I? This is unscripted, so I can say what I want to say. It's They employ a bunch of babies. They employ a bunch of rich, entitled little bastards is what they employ and if they think that the owners who it's seemingly to me if you read between the lines almost half of the owners of major league baseball teams right now are ready to shut her down right now you saw this week that they let go almost a thousand minor league baseball players another thousand people out of jobs i don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell that we're going to see baseball this year and it's the thinking of greedy Owner, billionaire owners against greedy, selfish, millionaire players. And for that reason, they are so far behind the National Hockey League, the NBA, and uh, the NFL that I don't believe there's a chance that we're going to see baseball in 2020. And that begs the question to be asked, do we even fucking care? Well, I still love the whole theory about COVID and what it's caused being that it's not going to just take good things and ruin them. It's just pressing fast forward. And I've said this before, and I think that's what's happening here. It's not like you have a great business 
and then COVID comes along and now it's just ruined. Yeah. Like McDonald's isn't going out of business. They're doing fine. Right. Right. So it's just pushing fast forward. Divorces that would have happened in 10 years will happen now. You know, businesses that would have gone out of business in a few years might go out of business now. And this is what's happening with baseball. It's not that they have this great model and it just happens to hurt them more than other sports leagues. That doesn't make any sense. The issue is that it's taking the problems that existed and it's just fast forwarding. They've been kicking the can down the road for too long. Oh, luxury tax and no salary cap and all this crap. There's a reason that Gary Bettman in 2004 was willing to lose an entire season because they not only needed a salary cap as some sort of concept to be mean to players or something, they needed a salary cap to be tied to revenue so that the whole thing made sense. And that's what baseball needs here. They need, like, it's just become this ridiculous thing. It was like, well, I've got a $300 million contract. Oh, well, I'm better. I've got a $400 million contract. And it, that's all it is. I mean, it's just greed. And it, again, it's not an exciting game. If you break the habit, that's all they've had is the habit of, oh, it was America's national pastime. And I, when's the last time you heard someone say that baseball is America's national pastime? 1993. There you go. Thank you. And it's been a long time and you never hear that anymore. And that's all they had going for themselves. And they put the first nail in their coffin in 1994 with that whole deal. And they're just keeping to do it now. And the cheating didn't help. And the steroid era didn't help. And keeping Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame didn't help. And nothing helped. And it's just it's just a complete disaster. They have I mean, you want to talk about politics and all these other things and, and leaderless organizations and people making bad decisions. It's tough, especially if you take the entire last 30, 40 years into account. It's tough to beat baseball when it comes to complete mismanagement, a complete void of leadership, uh, contentious, dysfunctional relationships. I mean, this is it's worse than boxing. It really it's yeah. it is You're worse than right. it is worse than boxing. Absolutely which, right. Which shouldn't be possible, but it is. <laughs> it's more dysfunctional than boxing. It's it's almost like there's like twenty different entities here, and there's not. But it just feels like that because nothing gets done. Nothing is correct. No one ever gets satisfied with anything that happens. And the game at the end of the day is boring. They can't even get a pitch clock in there. They can't even do base. They can't even do basic on field things to make the game better That's and right. necessary and things to compete with all the content with Netflix and short attention spans and just unlimited things to do in the world right now. They can't even make the changes on the field and those should be the gimmies. So how are they going to make these uh, changes off the field? They're not. They're just completely a joke. And I, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to see baseball this year. And I think we're going to see innovative, exciting new concepts and things we've never seen before in hockey yeah, and agree. basketball and maybe even football. If it comes to that, we'll see. I don't know. I'm hoping things are good by the fall, but you never know, I guess. But I mean, they're looking at this as an opportunity. Let's have a play in format and let's try different things and let's try to give people something to talk about. Like everyone right now is with hockey. If you're a hockey fan, you're talking about the play in format. You're talking about the draft. Yep. You're talking about all the things they're doing and, and the fans are being engaged in that. Yeah, I'm right. Here, nobody's engaged when it comes to like, oh, well, uh, the players want this much money. And no, the owners don't want to lose this much money. And I mean, the players don't even get it. They don't even have any leverage. I mean, what are you gonna what are you gonna do to the owners? Tell them that they can't lose six hundred thousand dollars a game? Oh no! Like they they the owners would rather just sit there and not lose the money. Of course they would. So the players don't even understand leverage, which is the most basic tenet of 
negotiation. So it's a complete disaster. I don't think we're going to see baseball. If it does come back, it's never going to be the same. Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe baseball needs to either go away forever or else completely be blown up and start from scratch with a proper model. Maybe that's what we need to see because the whole thing is unsustainable and that's what COVID is doing. It's taking the unsustainable, pushing fast forward and showing what would have happened eventually when you just keep kicking the can down the road forever. Beautifully said, my friend. I I, uh, I told you, he's much more eloquent than I am. Um, great, great, great stuff. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, the big topic in the 1990s, early 1990s, before what happened in 94 to the Montreal Expos, the big topic was contraction of Major League Baseball teams. I think if baseball does come back in 2021, maybe you contract some of these teams. Mm. Maybe you reduce the number of teams. I mean, obviously, if you've let go a thousand minor leaguers this week, obviously the minor league baseball system is a thing of the past, and you're not going to need a single A or a a, a, a a rookie league and then high or an A league and a and a single high league and double A and triple A all the way to the major leagues. Hell with that anymore. You don't need that. Uh. Uh-uh. The draft has gone from. 60-some rounds to what's it going to be, 20 this year or some astronomical number, 15, I don't know. They, they chopped a, you know, just ridiculous amount. Um, but I think you need to really start seriously, a couple things, get rid of Robbie Manfred. That's just, he is just, a, he's just an idiot. I'm sorry. He has no backbone. He's letting the Players Association walk all over him. He is worthless. And the people that didn't like Bud Selig, Screw you. You people are dying for Bud Selig right now. I'm not personally. I'm still a little bit ticked off at Bud Selig for the steroid era. I'm a little bit ticked off for Bud Selig for the uh, 2001 All-Star Game in Milwaukee, for Christ's sake. But, but the good part, yes, Bud Selig, it was under his watch when they won, when they went under strike in 1994. You got to give him marks, bad marks for that. I get it. But, Do you see, under the current administration of Major League Baseball, if they get back even in 2021, would you see them doing some of the things that Chris just mentioned and some of the things that, think about the things that Bud Selig did accomplish while he was in that commissioner's chair in Major League Baseball for 25 years. He got us expanded playoffs. He got us a wild card system. He got us interleague play. Those were positive things, okay? There were a lot of negatives on Mr. Selig's watch. I'm not, I'm not arguing that with you but i'm telling you more things got done under a half-assed bud ceiling than they'll ever get done under robbie manfred and if baseball wants to get better the first thing they need to do is get rid of him second thing they need to do i think is contract some of the teams you've got such a power difference in major league baseball in, in regard to you've got the teams that people want to watch You've got the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the big boys. Then you've got a plethora of teams that people don't give up shit about. The Tampa Bay Rays, the Minnesota Twins, the Colorado Rockies. Who cares? Irrelevant. So I think if you started this week by releasing a 1,000 minor league players from their minor league baseball contracts, obviously when baseball, if and when they ever do come back, they're looking to shrink the model a little bit. We'll start contracting some of these major league teams that have no relevance, none whatsoever. 
None whatsoever. And you know, I've been thinking about this a lot because as I said about 10 minutes ago, I still want to consider myself a baseball fan. And Chris and I cannot stand those assholes that were taking shots in their asses back in the steroid, you know, by led by our by our our buddy uh, Rafael Palmero and my best buddy Barry Bonds and the rest of those crooks. But if you were to line up that baseball black eye versus the cheating scandal of the Houston Astros and the, to a small degree, the Boston Red Sox, which is worse? Which one gives you a worse feeling about the game of baseball? I'll tell you one thing. I don't agree with the meatheads that were injecting things in their backsides. Okay, I've got a huge problem with that. And I think you can see that in the Hall of Fame vote that you just don't have enough. uh, There's not enough strong feelings to let those guys, the Palmeros and the Bonses and the Clemens and the Maguires and the Consecos, you don't have enough juice, I don't think, literally, pun intended, I don't think you have enough to get these guys in the Hall of Fame someday. Fine. But, I mean... If that's the biggest thing, I mean, I'm not comparing the two because as I've already stated my case in regard to Bud Selig had some faults and he had a couple of black marks. But I tell you one thing, the eight remaining true baseball fans out there would take Bud Selig in a New York minute right now in the situation that we're in right now. They'd take Bud Selig in a heartbeat over Robbie Manfred. Well, the other day I was driving down Crowchild Trail in Calgary and I passed. Was it road a, construction? Uh, well, there. Well, it, okay. First of all, I was driving to the north, so I had just driven over the bridge going over Bow Trail, which oh. has been under construction nonstop for the last twenty years, yeah, I think. Exactly. But anyway, so now I think they're widening it or something, not just repairing Correct. it or something. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I drove over that, and then right after that, I drove by a sign, and it was some health place or something, and it had a sign out front and said. Uh, vitamin B12 injections inside and I laughed and laughed and laughed and I thought I'd go inside but I didn't want to run into Raphael Palmero. <laughs> so I'll just keep taking my vitamin B12 pills that I take which are the smallest pill on the face of the earth yep. so why you need a needle in your ass for that I have no idea when it's the easiest pill to take that you can find but anyway when you were talking there it actually made me think I hadn't really thought about this but this is the only thing that could be exciting about baseball would be imagine if, okay, the whole thing collapses. We don't have it anymore. Now it's just gone. Now we have to start fresh and we can fix everything. The most exciting thing wouldn't even be like we can come in properly, have a salary cap, have it tied to revenue and we can bring in the pitch and there's no resistance. It's just like, okay, we're going to have a pitch clock. We're going to have whatever else and we're going to have parody and maybe contraction and all that stuff and and just do it the right way but imagine then if you just made it so everyone and because the contract would have to be null and void because they'd be ridiculous right imagine everyone's a free agent and we're going to have a draft oh my do you yeah you know no one watches the baseball draft that would be fun that would do it everyone's a free agent random drawing yeah, random drawing, and and we can track some teams, and now there is twenty four teams or whatever it is, and like someone has the first overall pick, and you can pick anybody. You can pick Mike Trout. Mike Trout would you be can, one. You can pick. Yeah, but I mean, you have to. In fairness, probably. But how old is Mike Trout? Like, 
He's probably 30, 30, 29, 30, 31, somewhere in there. So maybe you don't pick him first overall because maybe you have to think for the future. Well, if you're, then you're probably, in my opinion, you're looking at Clay Bellinger, the Dodgers, who's still at 25. Uh, or you're Cody looking Bellinger. At Cody Bellinger, correct. Yeah. His dad was Clay. Sorry. You're right. Uh, or you're looking at Kristen Yelich of the Brewers, who's still only 27. Okay. Um, I think you don't even touch Bryce Harper right now because of what he went through last year with the contract and then his comments this year. He's not as valuable as he used to be, and especially when he's only batting 225. I wouldn't take Bryce Harper. Interesting. We should almost think about that I one love day. that idea. Isn't that fun? We I could... love that. I, I'm going to write that down. So we could do that. Actually, you know what? I know. I think we should do. Sorry. No. I think we should do. All right. And if you have suggestions, let us know on one of the 18 different ways that you can leave a comment with us, thanks to the boss here. But I think we should do a 20... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut it down to 20 teams, and I'm, I'd, I'd like to do a draft. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And How many I, rounds? Oof. I, well, just the interest of time, I think we'd have to just do one round. Right. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Okay, good. So what we should do, though, is we should we should come up with how many teams we want the league to be, which teams we're going to get rid of. Oh, I, I know that already. Okay, well, I, I know which you, ones. I, I, I figured you would. <laughs> I know which ones I but want to get rid of. I would I would want the Expos to be a team, though. And it's our thing, so we can do what we want. Sure. So, but let me do this. Then. So move the Rays let's to... Move, let's move the... Let's put the... Uh, Expos in Washington, where they should have been in the in the first. Let's oh, make you mean the move, move the Nationals to Montreal. Correct. Sure. Okay. Let's make them the let's make them the defending World Series champions. Okay. The Montreal Expos, the way it should have been. I th- I love that idea. I just I love that idea. Yeah, and then what we can do. All is, right, I'll come up with. I think it's got to be twenty five teams. I would say make it twenty four. Twenty four. Be- okay. Because what I'm thinking is. Uh, six four teams divisions or something like that well the no the reason i'm thinking about it is because our buddy greg even though he doesn't really like to talk on the show right uh he could do it virtually he knows certainly way more about baseball than i do right and i mean it's probably up there at least with like greg is greg to this day is a baseball player he's a baseball coach he's a coach i knew he, that yeah. he's a, a scorekeeper like he keeps like he is He's a full A to Z knowledge of baseball. Sure, absolutely. And so I would like... I'd love do. to get him incorporated in this. So what I'd like to do, I think, is let's have this big dispersal draft. Let's do a random drawing for the order of the teams. And then let's each take eight teams. And then times three is 24. So you're the GM of eight teams. I'm the GM of eight teams. And Greg's the GM of eight teams. Okay. And we'll make it so like, you know, every three, like you have the first overall pick and then Greg's second, I'm third. And we just go in order or something like that. Well, no, what we could do, what we do, what used to do with lot draws. If I have the first pick, you have the second pick, Greg has the third pick, and then Greg comes back and gets the fourth pick. You get the fifth pick and I get the sixth pick. If there's only three teams, yes. But I'm thinking because it's just 24 different teams and it's it's, it's like we're, if we had 24 guys to have on the show, we would do that. But we're just going to fill in for that. So sure. just, just so we just kind of space it out. We just get fine. to talk. Yeah. So I'm probably I'm, overthinking it, but I get excited by this. This is really a good idea. Yeah. And then I'll be, I'll be curious to see. We'll, we'll do a random drawing for which one of us is the GM of team. Cause it doesn't matter which teams we're the GM of, cause we're all starting from scratch. Right. Right. So every team has no players at the start of the draft. So it's not like you have to think, oh, well, this team needs a pitcher. Well, no, everyone needs everything. Right. So you would have to then just do it. Okay. Just one round. Who's everyone's first round pick. And we'll just go through and 
yeah, like we'll just draw one of us gets one, one gets two, one gets three, and then just we'll just go in order one, two, three, three, four, five, six, seventy nine, like that. I love it. Yeah, and and let's do that. And I want to see like who whoever whichever one of us gets the first overall pick. I mean, you have to factor in this is you're starting a brand new team, right? So age has to come into a factor for sure. It does right? You're not taking. Mariano Rivera, Rivera, even no. if he's and playing. it has to be a current player. I yeah, mean, we yeah. can't sit here and 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 draft no. Ty Cobb. No, 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 no. It's it's right now and right their now. age right now. Correct. Okay, so good. that factor, yeah, because if you just go on pure talent, yeah, Mike well, Trout then, goes number one, and he might anyway. Mike Trout might go on number one, but then number two might be Joe DiMaggio or Mickey Mantle or, yeah. or no, no, yeah, but then, totally know. not. No, no, it's just today, uh, and so yeah, let's let's do it. Uh, probably, I don't think next week will work. Probably have to do. Like two weeks from now, maybe sure. we'll do that. Sounds good. Okay. I got that. I, I love that's a great thing. I, I love that. Um, let me just check my clock here real quick. I want to see. Because um, I know you're going to have something to say about this, but this has been a, a just a, a, a bitch fest episode. In a series of tweets on Sunday, your favorite, right up there in the neighborhood of Mr. Palmero. In a series of twi- tweets on Sunday, UFC light heavyweight champion John Bones Jones says that he is vacating the belt. He says it's the money issue. And um, uh, basically, in his mind, as I see it, uh, he doesn't see eye to eye with Dana White, which is unfortunate because Dana has saved your career and saved your ass, in my understanding, so many times that it's unbelievable. Um, but I, I've been waiting to do this, and I decided let's do it. I want to hear what's going on from your perspective in regard to this idiot who just can't seem to get out of his own way. He just, he just needs to be heard. I mean, he must be the big, he, I I don't know what it is about this guy, but he has an unbelievable ego. He always has to see his name seemingly in the papers or on the internet or in social media or whatever. But here you're on taking on the guy that has, in my opinion, has saved your career numerous times in the UFC. Now you want to go head to head with Dana White. I think Bones Jones, you're just proving really how truly stupid you are. Well, <laughs> I could go on for four solo episodes about John Jones you could, with no research, with no research here, but anyway, so this is the problem with athletes not understanding business or economics. And this is kind of like these baseball players that just like, well, I signed a contract and I don't understand money. It just kind of comes out of thin air and shows up in my bank account and that's it. And so doesn't matter if there's no revenue. I just get $400 million. I just get it out of nowhere. And that's what John Jones is saying. His issue is that Deontay Wilder, the excellent boxer, was paid $30 million for his last fight. Okay, great. Yeah. But that's because of the economics of boxing. That's just, I mean, the pay-per-views and just what's going on there. And don't get me wrong. UFC fighters are virtually all underpaid, many massively under. Like, you can even make the case financially, even the biggest earners, even Conor McGregor, if you actually look at the math of what he brings in, Conor McGregor is massively underpaid. Oh, for sure he is. But he gets, he, he does very well. So it's not like he's suffering, but... Uh, a lot of fighters get paid so little that they are suffering because they, you know, they get hardly anything. Some There's been fighters who haven't, they've lost money, like just on paying all their coaches and everything. They've actually lost money. And it's it's really sad. And I would like to see that fixed somehow. Uh, I feel really bad for those guys. But the problem with John Jones is he's just saying, oh, well, this guy's a great fighter and he gets 30 million. So I should get 30 million. Well, no, it doesn't work like that you could even make the case that every single ufc pay fighter is underpaid but that doesn't mean that you can just randomly compare yourself to some other guy in some other sport 
So his issue too is that he does want to allegedly go up to heavyweight, but at the same time he also wants to have a fight going down a division to uh, face Israel at Asanya, or else at least maybe have some catch weight in the middle there somewhere. Oh, that's the Izzy guy. They're yeah, talking Izzy. About. Yeah. So they're trying to go. He's kind. You know, he's trying to. John Jones literally trying to have it both ways, trying to fight heavyweights and people lighter than him at the same time. So who knows what he's doing? But I again, I do want to see him go and. Uh, and and fight heavyweights and have someone like Ngannou just knock him out completely, like just just punch his head into the eighth row. Uh, I think that would be great. And it was interesting because the two biggest challengers for John Jones are um, Dominic Reyes, who beat him in the last fight. I yes, don't care what anyone says. I remember you telling me that. And then this uh, Jan Blakowicz, who uh is another top contender and Jones specifically named them and said oh, I don't really have any interest in fighting them it's like yeah because you know Reyes is better than you and you got lucky because the judges are all hero worshiping over you but anyway I do want to see him just I just want to see him face anyone who can just beat his ass like without having to rely on the judges because the judges are just the judges I think are too scared to potentially ruin his legacy or have Dana mad at them or something so they're always going to vote for him even if he loses and so it's it's just really sad but yeah, he's just an idiot, and he's the worst, and I just have no time for John Jones. And it's funny of all this to happen just because a few days ago, like literally on, I think it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. Yeah, but literally like that same day, I think Dana White had just said that John Jones is the greatest of all time with no debate. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the amount of crap that he's had to go through because of John Jones, and he still keeps saying how good the guy is, is unbelievable. And then Jones is always... Throwing, you know, saying like, "Oh, I never said that," and Dana's like, "I have the text messages to prove you said this stuff," and and Jones like, Ugh, "You know," so he's an idiot. He's the worst. I don't know, but this greatest of all time debate is so tough. At least the other asshole I can't stand, Anderson Silva, uh, has one win in his last eight fights. So I'm hoping that that finally at least takes Anderson Silva out of the potential <laughs> conversation. One win in eight fights. Just remember that, guys. Uh, but John Jones, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, would be on a two-fight losing streak right now uh, if uh, he didn't get uh, miraculous judging, shall we say, against Dominic Reyes and Tiago Santos. And uh, he's, 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 he's very, very lucky, but I like to think that his luck is running out. We've got to run on a emotional uh, 512th episode of Unscripted. As always, I'd like to thank you for continuing to go to our 18 different ways to listen to the program and just a little kick in the backside to remind you to please subscribe. That's the best way to keep us going here on Unscripted. And when you do that, we certainly appreciate that as we look to take this show to bigger and better places. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted with Mike and Chris, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.